And even to this day, I just, I constantly fear, am I good enough? Am I good enough to apply for this job and do this job? Am I good enough to have this relationship with this person? Like at my whole life, everything I do, am I good enough to do it? And then I end up either attempting to do it and then screwing it up because I'm not putting my best foot forward because my mind is already saying you're failing. Yeah. You're a failure. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. I'm your host, Eric Wenzel, as always. And honestly, everyone, this is an amazing episode. It is one of my last closest friends, Ben Kaplnick, joining us on the show today. And basically, this is just him giving an unfiltered look at his life um, and how he's dealt with anxiety, depression, and trauma. And it's raw, very raw. He shares everything out you know, how it's affected him, how he thinks through things, what, you know, the events that happened in his life that have triggered certain things. Um, and these are topics we've been circling here on the show a lot. And, um, just being able to share this with everyone again is extremely powerful for me. And even more so that this is one of my friends and I've heard of many of these stories, but never in a way where it's encapsulated in such a timeline where it's like, here's, how everything has happened to me. And that makes it even more special for me to share it with all of you. Because the more we talk about these things, the more we can start building a map for empathy. And there's a quote about, you know, if you don't confront your demons, they go to the cell of your soul and lift weights. And I recently heard that on a podcast, and I think it's really apt in this scenario because when you bury things, the pain that you feel for something or anxiety, they just fester and they get stronger and then they take over to some degree. And so the more we can talk about this kind of stuff and the more people feel okay to share this like Ben, and he even says it here, he was anxious the whole time talking about it. And I'm pretty sure up until now, he's probably anxious that this is going to go live. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Ben Kaplnick. This again, is a very special episode for me. And I hope you all take away something and look at what it means to have anxiety and depression a little bit differently. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Feeding Curiosity. And today we're joined by, I guess, like the last remaining friend who hasn't been on here yet. Yeah. (laughs) Besides Nick. Stupid name. Your own brother hasn't even been on here. I know. Yet. I keep asking him, man. And it's weird. I know. So, me and you go way back, just like everybody else who's been on here. Is yeah. <laughs> since like first, second grade in elementary school. It's pretty much been almost twenty years. Yeah, at this point. <clears throat> yeah, basically, it's like we're twenty six now, minus six. And that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know why we're all still friends. I don't know. It's just like, it's really weird. You're all terrible people. <laughs> I'm just going to say that now. Especially Jordan. Yeah, he's a, he's a clown. <laughs> he's a big clown. Had to say it because he's probably the most common on here. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But so I would give your like current thing, like what you're doing right now, because that's part of why you haven't been on the podcast since you're... Not here right now, and then we can kind of go wherever we want to go from there. Oh, what? How I made a very wise decision to move to St. Louis, Missouri. The the place you love so much. (laughs) It's so great. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, just went down there to build the Topgolf and stayed down there as the IT lead. And yeah, just been down there for the past year. I just came up home for a week because... Wanted to give myself a vacation. So yeah, I'm here. You definitely needed it. And I mean, and even in just recent time though, it's been a lot more fun lately because now we all use discord and whatnot and been playing video games together, even though we're not all in the same spaces anymore. It makes it a lot more fun to yeah. kinda have uh, this virtual home away from home. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> yeah. Um, but where do you want to start, Ben? Cause I know you have probably one of the, Longer stories out of all of us. Oh, man. I don't know. 
I don't know. Well, what do you really want to get out of me? Whatever, on this whatever here? you're willing to, to share is <clears throat> really where it goes. I mean, I, I think one of the easiest parts is your your music and tattoos have a lot of embedded meetings in them. Yeah, and that I think is a safe way to start <clears throat> opening the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I have. Uh, I have three band tattoos. I have the Angels and Airwaves, Astronaut on the Moon. I have the 21 Pilots, um, The Few, The Proud, and The Emotional. Mm -hmm. And then I have Blink-182 on my chest. Um, um, All those bands really hit close to home for me. Uh, Growing up, I mean, for Blink-182, it's always been my favorite band. Uh, I got into them because of my, my older brother, Marty. We were always the ones that were pretty close yeah. with music, at least. Uh, he showed me everything, you know, from 311, Blink-182, Sum 41, all the punk rocks. Um, and so music has always just kind of been my my hideaway. Yeah. It's it's something that always made me feel comfortable Yeah, wherever I was. Um, Blink-182 just... No really deep hidden meaning behind that one. Blink-182 has just always been fun and good. Like, you could just rock out, have a good time, too. You know, it's that. <laughs> you know, you, you throw on, like, rock show yeah. in the summer, windows down. You're just headbanging, having a good time, singing along. I mean, it's just, like, kind of the, that, that punk rock stuff. Like, yeah. that you're, you're that young kid who doesn't <clears throat> give a shit about anything. And or, now I'm just that old kid that doesn't give a shit about anything. I mean, some of those, I mean, you don't really change too much. <laughs> no. I mean, th- th- I would say the interesting thing about what your music tastes have always been, aside from, you know, obviously the ones that don't have this, but like the lyrical depth, you connect with lyrics yes. way more than you would expect. Yeah, it is the emotional surrounding of mental illnesses. Yeah. I mean, 21 Pilots to me is lyrically the best when it comes to dealing with the struggles of mental illnesses. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's why I ended up getting that one on my forearm. Um, 21 Pilots just, they hit very close to home for me every time they release a song. I mean, yeah, a lot of people don't really like them that much anymore because their sound is always changing and always kind of more poppy, whatever kind of, but to, to me, it's really just all about their lyrics. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Joseph does an amazing job putting all of those feelings that sometimes I even feel right. and also can't put into words. And he just, he does it for me. Yeah. You know, in, in a very poetic way that you're kind of just like, <laughs> you're like I get that. It's like yeah. you're like I've been like I'm not crazy anymore. Kind of. <laughs> oh, I'm not the only one who feels like that. Yeah. Cool. I mean, my, one of my favorite songs from them that we've talked about before is the the Neon Gravestones. Yeah, I, I think that's a really apt song. And on the surface, it doesn't sound unlike when you just listen to that song without really paying attention to what he's actually saying. You don't get the full weight of what that song is actually saying. Yeah. You know, because that song is all about, you know, I think that song actually came out right around when like Anthony Bourdain and a few of those other guys had already. And taken. and Mac Miller too. Yeah. It, it, and uh, Travis, not Travis. And it was a Travis. Yeah. From Lincoln Park. I forget. It. I can't remember his name. Chester. Chester. There we go. I Come on, I said, man. I, I know. It's Lincoln Park. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like it was like a, all right around that same time. And you, I, to me, it seems like that song is a commentary to all these people who are creators that even though they you know, for all intents and purposes, have it made quote unquote and still wind up feeling alone. Yeah. You know, and then, they, and then when they do pass away, everyone all of a sudden cares. Yeah. Cause I mean, you know, not, <laughs> not to no damaging here or right. Insinuating anything bad against any of these people here, but you know, before the Mac Miller news, not a whole lot of people would post Mac Miller stuff. Right. Like maybe 5% of my timeline on Facebook right. would have ever said anything about Mac Miller. And then afterwards, that changed to 100%. Yeah. Everyone was all of a sudden the biggest Mac Miller fans. And now they, they actually could have been. Right. They just didn't 
post that stuff much more. And then obviously when people do die, you kind of, it's just, it's the reminiscing. It's the Holy shit. Like they're gone now. So that might be the case too, but I do feel like in today's society, a lot of people do really want to fit in with the rest of the people that they know. Right. And so somebody who probably never even listened to Mac Miller in their entire life. saw everybody posting about Mac Miller and then wanted the attention. Hey, me too. I care about Mac Miller too. post. Yeah. And sadly, that's kind of how things go nowadays is you you're just looking to fit in and do whatever you can. I mean, it's totally okay to, you know, send your condolences and like, Oh, you know, it's, it's sad that that happened, but don't try to pretend like you were the world's biggest fan just to fit in. Yeah. Like, and I think even in that song, like he even says that he's like, you know, if I ever become one of these, you know, gravestones, don't idolize me, find someone else. Yeah. (laughs) And I, you know, I, I'll find lyrics of this and share it in the show notes because I think it's really important for people to kind of actually understand it. Um, but it's it's honestly a really sad song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's it all revolves around suicide. Yeah, and it's honestly this whole mental illness stuff has been honestly one of the biggest things that I've gotten into lately with just understanding it and trying to articulate it and understand it in a way that others can build empathy for it because it's so foreign if you don't have it. Yeah. If you're, if you don't have any frame of reference for what it means or what it's like to be a part of those things you have, you just, you just never going to understand it. It's yeah. like, it's like having this, the idea of like a black and white experience kind of thing. It's definitely not. <laughs> um, Cause in, even if you do, you can understand one form of somebody's anxieties. Right. But there's, Like anxieties aren't just black and white either. You know, it's not just the constant ticks, you know, you're, you're moving up and down, you're hyperventilating or you're barely breathing. There's just, there's a lot of other, um, I'm trying to think here. There's a lot of other things that people feel and go through. signs, I guess. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's not always the same. It's not universal through the entire world that anxiety is this. Yeah. And so that's, that's another issue that we always have is because just because somebody feels this way doesn't mean that they're not anxious because you know someone who is anxious, but they feel this way. That's very common on social media <clears throat> platforms. Like, well, yeah. it's not really that because, you know, the definition of it says this. Yeah, no, there, <laughs> there is no definition of anxiety yeah. other than shit. Right. Anxiety is shit. <laughs> Coming from experience. Yes. Like, do you know, like, how long have you had it? Is it, like, forever, basically, or? Um, so I think it started in seventh grade, mm-hmm. but I got officially diagnosed with anxiety and depression uh, my freshman year. So it's been quite a while, but like, like I said, I feel like it started in seventh grade because mm-hmm. um, I ended up move into my dad's. Right. Yeah. I, and I basically remember that <laughs> at everything, all my surroundings and everything changed. And there was also just a lot of feelings towards my dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, do I know why I did the move in the first place? I can't tell you. I don't know what I was thinking, but it was probably one of the worst decisions of my life. Um, I mean, I only lived with him for a year before I realized I needed to get the get out. Yeah. Went and moved back with my mom. And it just, I think it really brought to light a lot of the emotions that I've always felt. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't really know why or how it started. It just manifested in some way. Yeah. Cause, uh, my relationship with my father is not the best mm-hmm. at all. So, yeah, I mean, I've I've heard only bits and pieces of it, and it's, you know, it's it's hard. Yeah, <laughs> it's a hard thing, and I mean, the other part of it is, I mean, most of your brothers are older too, and so it's not most of them. They are all I mean, older. They all them. are older, <laughs> right? And I mean, it's, it's it's like they are all older, and that to be, you know, the little brother of the situation, and to kind of have all of them kind of bearing down on you in some way or another, growing up, 
I don't think helped the situation. No, it was, it was also a lot of expectations I had to meet. Yeah. So, and I just, I wasn't about meeting anybody's expectations. I just wanted to be me. Right. But for whatever reason, my entire life has always been revolved around getting my father's approval. Yeah. And I just, I always fall short. And to me, I always think that's a problem. But what I always try to tell myself is it's not gives a shit. You don't need his approval. Yeah. You don't need anything from anybody. Just be happy with what you're doing. Mm-hmm. But I never can be. Right. I mean, it's, you know, it's like I can see it on your face as you're saying these things. Like, are you feeling it anywhere right now? Like, because you don't talk about this. No. Like, not really. No. Uh, recently, within the past few months, I have decided to start opening up and talking about mm-hmm. all these things. Um, so I just I think it might be better for me to kind of actually start talking about it. Yeah. Getting these feelings out and just kind of breathing, mm-hmm. feeling relaxed that it's kind of out there. <laughs> I mean, I'm right now anxious as shit talking <laughs> about it, but I um, yeah, I just, I, I hope that at the end, you know, I just, I kind of feel a little bit relieved. I mean, I, I know a hundred percent you're not the only one who deals with these, yeah. you know, nagging doubts of, you know, being a child who has to live up to an expectation, even if it's never said or whatever, or even if it's just silent, like a look or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's, I, I think these things are, are more, it's the, the scarring that occurs that even unspoken, you know, it doesn't have to be trauma in the form of like someone hitting you <laughs> to, to do damage. Like it's mm-hmm. seriously, like this stuff leaves marks yeah. without, you know, invisible marks. And, you know, the only way I think we can get, any sort of closure is saying, Hey, this was fucked up or, Hey, I'm hurting from it. And then you can give yourself a break instead of saying, Hey, I'm broken Mm -hmm. or, Hey, I'm falling short and I'm never going to be enough. (laughs) (laughs) See, like the, the sad thing is, is, you know, exactly like you said, you know, it's, it's not physical scars. Yeah. But lo and behold, lucky me, I got both growing up. I was beaten and abused. Um, not going to say by who. Yeah. Uh, cause I've since learned to forgive this person. Mm-hmm. We are very close now. Still wasn't, it, it was a prime example of how they were brought up by my father as well. Yeah. So it all kind of stems down to him. Right. He, he raised him like this. So, and then when my father left, um, I was about seven years old, clear, clearest memory I will ever have in my entire life. They don't know that I was awake. It's probably about midnight. Yeah. My dad comes home from the bar. My mom's screaming, wants him out and he's screaming at her. So I, I left my bedroom, went to the top of the stairs to listen to the conversation. And sure enough, heard my father say, I told you I didn't want another one. Talking about me. Yeah. Talking about his kids. Because that was the argument beforehand. Was us. The kids. He didn't want it. Especially me. Didn't want another one. That has sat with me for a very long time. And you remember it like And I remember it like it was yesterday. I mean, when you hear your father say that, you kind of... Yeah, it sticks with you. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, my mom ended up throwing him out of the house. I rarely saw him after that. And then I started getting beat in that home. Not by my mother. Right. My mother is a saint. <laughs> I'm aware of this. <laughs> um, she very much is. <laughs> and so I always, every day, you know, I would, I would be hurt. Yeah. I have scars on my head to show it. Um and he said, at first, I always hated that person. Yeah. Then I realized as I grew up, you know, it was how they were brought up. Yeah. So they're just imitating their way of raising. And then 
I was also getting angrier at my father because he should have been there to right. make sure that that wasn't happening to me. Should have cared. Yeah. In any way. Didn't care enough to be there. Yeah. So it was very hard growing up thinking to myself, why wasn't I good enough yeah. for my father to want me? Somebody who should want you yeah. is supposed to love you. Why wasn't I good enough for that? And then that why wasn't I good enough just started to stem into every aspect of my life. Yeah. And even to this day, I just, I constantly fear, am I good enough? Yeah. Am I good enough to apply for this job and do this job? Am I good enough to have this relationship with this person? Like at my whole life, everything I do, am I good enough to do it? And then I end up either attempting to do it and then screwing it up because I'm not putting my best foot forward because my mind is already saying you're failing. Yeah. You're a failure. Or I don't even attempt it at all. Yeah. Because in my head, I'm already not good enough. Why would I go apply for this? I'm already rejected. Yeah. Why would I go talk to that cute girl and ask for a number? You're already rejected. I mean, honestly, what you're saying is it like it boils down to, you know, is like, am I good enough to exist? Correct. If you try to encapsulate it into a simple term and it's really fucking heavy (laughs) and I'm like getting goosebumps and like emotional just (laughs) even saying that because it's not cool. (laughs) No. And it's I don't want anyone to ever feel that way. And, you know, even more so because you're one of my best friends, for the, you know, brother by choice at this point. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's, I think these stories are really important. And like you're saying is what you experienced is, is because of, you know, how you were raised and what you heard and what, you know, you had to go through being raised by your older brothers to mm-hmm. some degree. And then, but that all comes down to is what your father didn't do. Basically. Yeah. And, you know, the only way we break that cycle is by doing this, you know, becoming aware of what it was and the pain that it caused. Because if you chose not to talk about it and, and do, you know, and have just constantly fam- eat, eat me away and have a family, you know, down the road or whatever, there's a pretty high likelihood you'd go down the same path. Yeah. That your father did. But the awareness that you have right now to 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 share that is really powerful. Mm-hmm. And not only the fact that we're recording it and it's going to go, you know, on the internet and whatever people can listen to this, it's powerful for you because you're giving yourself permission to start the healing process here. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I've kind of needed it for a while. I've been shutting it out, you know, because it's also like I'm just embarrassed. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm so thankful that over the past two years, you know, the stigma for anxieties and depression, like, yeah, it's becoming people want to become more accepting of it and aware of it. Mm-hmm. And instead of just always brushing it off like this, whatever, like you're fine, you're yeah. overreacting. Like, I'm thankful for that because it's making me more comfortable to yeah. be able to talk about it. It's like a few years ago, there's no way in hell. No, there's no I, way in I, hell that I probably would have ever mentioned anything because people would have just been like, you're over, you're, you're crazy. Like, shut up. Like, yeah. you're fine. You just want attention. It's like, okay. Or stop right. feeling sorry for yourself. Yeah. Whatever. So definitely makes it a lot easier that the rest of the world is trying to yeah. figure it out as well. I think for me, the, the biggest thing is to realize that even people that seem perfectly normal on the outside, you know, the, the type, the, the workaholic type person who's really good at what they do and all they do is work all the time. That person is just as likely to have some sort of trauma mm-hmm. in their past as someone who's, you know, doesn't want to get out of their bed in the morning. Yeah. It just happens to manifest in a different way. And it just so happens that society, you know applauds or pats you on the back for being a workaholic whereas the other you know form gets you know downtrodden upon and like yep see so (laughs) we all have masks yeah and coping mechanisms 
Um, I mean, you, you've known me for a long time. Mm -hmm. I'm also one of those crazy, energetic, dark humor says whatever I want to try to make people laugh and, you know, just fucked up shit. That is all my mask. That is me trying to fit in, contribute to the conversation, contribute to the hangout that we're doing. And just to hide the fact that I am sad, that I don't feel comfortable, that deep down, I always think I don't want to be here. Not saying like at the hangout, I'm saying I don't want to be alive here on earth. So I do all that to hide. Now, it's it's not every day. It's not every day. I, I do have some good days to where I, I am actually enjoying myself. But almost 80 to 90% of my time, I am just, I'm acting like that <clears throat> to hide myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm pretty sure I'm the one who makes suicidal jokes the most. Yeah. But how many of those were jokes? How many of those were, if I say it in a joking manner, it might be more acceptable to say right. in person, but somebody please acknowledge that I am not okay, yeah. that I am actually contemplating suicide right now. Like, yeah, and help. You, and your attempt to joke about it is your way of just voicing it. Yeah. Because by saying it, it makes it less likely. Yeah. Because if it... You know, if you said you're okay, you, I would be alarm bells. <laughs> mm-hmm. Legitimately. If, like, you one day were just, like, not joking or whatever, like, that would be... Oh, yeah, call the cops right there. Yeah, there. terrifying. It's like, okay, he's not okay. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, you know, these kind of stories, man, like, it, like, moves me to the core. Because, like, we talk about all this stuff all the time on here. And, and you know, to have friends that... You know, I, I, I was writing about some of this stuff recently and trying to learn as much as I can about it and figure out ways that people can get help, you know, and, and outside of like drugs, you know, the, the standard, the standard culprits that we use that work a little bit. And then after time, they don't work as well anymore or whatever. Just trying just to figure out ways that I can make a difference for people because these things are invisible. Yeah. And, you know. In the process of that, I was, I, I like found this like idea and basically it's like invisible battles, you know, battles that happen in your head. And we all go through these things through phases, you know, right? Yeah. Like when you have a bad breakup, you start battling with yourself yeah. <laughs> or whatever. You get fired from your job. You Same kind of problem here. Yep. And if you're an average person, it is okay. You like you'll go through it for a week or something or whatever. You'll bounce up. You'll bounce back. But a person in your position that battle is, you know, every night when lights go off and you're trying to go to bed (laughs) and, and I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but no, I mean, you're, you're exactly right though. I mean, I average two hours of sleep a night because my, my body will be physically exhausted and I'll want to lay down. I'm tired and everything's shut off. As soon as I close my eyes, can't sleep because I'm rethinking everything what I did wrong this day or what I could have done right the other day or I said something stupid to this person mm-hmm. shit like I just that was like inconsequential yeah <laughs> Re- replaying everything or sometimes even creating this false happy world and I'm just thinking of like ways that like, like a what if it was yeah if, if if everything worked out this is the life I'd be living and I think about that yeah and then next thing I know it's five in the morning and I'm like oh I have to get up in a few hours to go to work sweet yep I mean it, it kind of reminds me of like back in high school when you know you out of everyone was kind of like the focal point of whenever we'd want to be all hanging out because you we're more than likely always with someone else. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone was available, they were hanging out with you first and then it's kind of like 
around that. And it really makes sense now, you know, in hindsight with how you're explaining this stuff, because it's like you couldn't stand yourself alone, basically. When I'm alone is when I think the most. Yeah. And to me, the most dangerous thing for me is myself. It's my mind. Yeah. It's, it's all the things that I just, that I think about and you know, so if I'm hanging out with people, especially you guys, you know, my really close friends, like it, it pushes it to the side. It's yeah. still there, but it's, you know, I'm, it's not front and center. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm able to avoid it for some time. And for me, it's really, it's really therapeutic. Like it's, mm-hmm. I mean, I know it's not the way that I should live the rest of my life. You know, I have to be okay with being alone. Yeah. Have to have to be able to not think like that all the time. But it was just, it was great for me in high school when I could just get out of the house and hang out. Yeah. I mean, we could what walk I needed. anywhere. Yeah. You know, within a couple of miles and just bullshit all day, basically. And, and now I'm in a brand new city living alone. Right. With not a lot of friends down there. I mean, it. I mean, this is a whole different scenario, but I feel like for us in general, for us being friends for so long with such a probably pretty large group of friends too, we have like six to eight people that we've kept in contact with for almost minimum 10 years, I would say. Yeah. You know, not counting our extended group and stuff like that. And, you know, having that deep close bond and then you like leave. And even though it's like easy for us to get in contact with each other and whatnot, but it's hard. It makes it harder to want to put effort in other relationships. Yeah. At least that's how I feel about it because we're all so close. It's like, why would I want to like, oh, yeah, cause we are all family. <laughs> we have been friends with each other for so long that it's not even a question anymore. It's like, Oh, like, yeah, you're my brother. Yeah. Jordan's my brother, Mike, Eric, Joe brothers. Yeah. Christina, Christy sisters. Like we are family. Like, like for me when it's like, we, like when you guys would leave, like Joe specifically, like when Joe and stuff, they would all go for the military and they be gone for like a year. Yeah. You know, and they come home for like two weeks during the holidays or whatever it was. And then it was like, all of a sudden it was, it was like they left yesterday, you know, and that doesn't happen in this day and age where friendships are a dime a dozen. And, you know, it's only there when it's convenient kind of thing. And yeah. It's just, you know, superficial you know, oh, you're you're somebody, you know, you have followers or you have something bullshit, basically. No. And it, we don't have that. And I can just see why, like, you know, in your position that makes that can exasperate some of these things. Yeah, because it's. It makes it feel when you're alone, it feels like you're that much more alone. Yep. <laughs> hey, yep. Have you found Anything that's able to get you any sort of relief, even limited, like anything that works. Not yet. Not really. No. I don't think so. Um, like anything that can like help when you have like panic attacks or anxiety attacks coming along or stuff that can kind of. Oh, no. Contro- not control it, but at least like, do you know the warning signs when it's on its way? Or? Oh, I, I definitely know when it's on its way. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, but I, so far I still haven't really found anything that can, that can help with that. Not yet. There's a, there's still a lot that I have to try. There's a lot that I have tried. Yeah. But there's still also millions of possibilities of yeah. stuff that I could do, but yeah, I haven't found it yet. Yeah, because medication is off the table. Off the table. Did you, how many have you tried? Uh, just one, or it was it was just the one. Uh, so, was it I, an SSRI? I I had lorazepam. Okay. And Zoloft. Okay. And one day. This was still, this was maybe, like, I think I was taking the medication my junior and senior year. And then after we graduated, one night I found the best thing I was drinking along with taking the medication. Took a few more than 
recommended. Recommended. And all of a sudden I just felt fine. Numb. Didn't have a care in the world. Everything was cool. So from that point, it got real dangerous because I knew that that point existed. Yeah. But how much did I have to drink? How much pills did I have to take? So I just kept taking more and more. Oh, boy. And then I found it. And from there, I started to abuse my prescription. Just constantly taking pills just to feel relief. nothing. Yeah. Not even relief. For, even if it was for five minutes, I just wanted to feel nothing. So it was like that for maybe about a year before I woke up in the hospital. Apparently I was there for two nights. And so that a few days beforehand, I had taken a little bit too much, drank too much with it and overdosed. So I was, the stories that I heard from when I was in the hospital, um, I apparently still thought that I was in the garage playing video games and smoking hookah with you guys while I was laying in the hospital bed. Then I apparently asked the security. We, we can laugh about it now because obviously right. I'm alive. I'm okay. Yeah. Um, You're obviously I, not in that space anymore. Yeah. I, I apparently asked the security guard if I could leave because I have to go see my my friend on death row. So I, I learned that I have a friend on death row. So that is, I mean, it's been years now, so he's probably already dead, but. <laughs> I don't even know who. Yeah, no, no. I have no made, idea who that could be. Nope. Made that, made that up in my head. Um, oh my God. But yep. But I just, I remember coming to in the hospital and, you know, I looked at my mom cause of course she was right, right there. there by my side. I just looked at her. I was like, what's going on? And her face like lost all color and was just like, finally you're you again. And I was like, what, <laughs> what are you talking about? And so, you know, the doctor came in, they asked, so like, are you suicidal or like what's going on? And I mean, I was right. But also just at the same time, it was more, I was just addicted to them. Yeah. I wanted to feel okay. Yeah. And I, I found a way to do it, but it's obviously a very dangerous way to right. do it. Um, but so from that point on, I promised myself and my mother that I would never do it again. Cause what broke my heart the most was my mother. Yeah. I think without her, I would have ended life a long time ago. She does a lot for you. Yeah, she does. It's very apparent. She cares. Yeah. Beyond (laughs) what, you know, I mean, moms always care, but (laughs) it's very obvious that she, (laughs) you know, she's, she's a special person and she, has done a has well, she's a single mother of four incredibly asshole boys. <laughs> That's literally what I was about to say. She has been through a ringer. That woman <laughs> deserves a statue and a medal. She really does. And not only that, she's a sheriff on top of that, so she already deals she already with deals with a bunch of assholes. <laughs> and she has to come home and deal with us. Oof. Yeah. It's yeah. it's incredibly painful to hear this you know because you've never really talked about it and we've all heard of it and to you know to hear it now it's like it's not that I'm saying I wish I could have done more (laughs) in any way but it's more of just like I had no idea how much pain there was oh we like to hide it well yeah until we don't. Yeah. And then at that point, it's just, who do we believe is actually listening? Who do we think actually cares? Yeah. I mean, the stories we tell ourselves are the most confusing. Yeah. Because <laughs> we can tell ourselves and make ourselves believe anything mm-hmm. that we want. And, you know, one of, one of the things I always hear... um within like mindfulness or meditation or something like that, where you're trying to quiet the inner voice 
a lot of people basically go live life having this, you know, that nagging voice inside their head that says things to themselves that you would never tell anyone else. And yep. if, if there is something out there and I believe there may be a thing with something like meditation or mindfulness, if you'd rather call it that since meditation has so many connotations to it, <laughs> um, where you can become okay or quiet that voice and learn to be content with who you are and not judge yourself as the, you know, worst piece of shit human being on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> and a hundred other worse things <laughs> is a really powerful thing because we, if you can't be okay with yourself, how can you show empathy toward anyone else? What do, what do you mean? In, in, what do you mean? In a way that like, if you, if you loathe yourself to a point where you would rather not be on this planet, you know, you're you're like severing a connection completely. Does that make are, sense? Are you forgetting about a very important person that took his own life but dedicated his life to making other people feel great? There's a lot of people like that. The late great fucking Robin Williams. I mean, that's what I mean. It's like part of this stuff. Like this- He's he was very empathetic. I know. Be, I feel like we're the most empathetic people is because we we know pain we know sorrow and depending on who it is feeling it like we there's only a few that i would say fuck it i hope you feel this way too <laughs> but we're laughing now <laughs> but no for, for the most part there we would never wish this on anyone no i know because it is literally the it's one of the worst feelings in the world and that's my to point. me it is the worst and I never want to see anybody sad. Yeah. So I will, I mean, we, we had this conversation the other day. Yeah, we did. I could talk to anybody and give them advice and make sure that they feel better Yeah. by the end of the conversation. But I can never do that for me. Cause at, I don't give a shit about myself. I have lost that feeling a long time ago. I don't care what happens to me. But everybody that I care about, you guys will always come first. Always. I do not give a shit about me. Care all about you guys. Right. Because I never want you guys to hurt. I would do anything for my mother. I never want her to hurt. My brothers, you guys, all my close friends, like, I don't give a shit about me. But, but... In reality, you do. By extension. I, tr- I try to. I, I want to. And that's what I'm trying to, to, to explain, is develop a connection with yourself. To have, to learn to have the value for your own self-worth, basically. That's that's what I'm saying is, is, is needs to be regained. Yeah. Because you ha- do have that capacity for deep, compassionate, you know, love and caring. And mm-hmm. I've seen you do it. I mean, we I saw you do it two, like two days ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And everyone was like, damn, you like understand emotions on a whole different level. And I, and I hope anyone listening understand, like understands that by what you've already explained here. But it's like, I mean, even just seeing like to kind of have a silly example, but like seeing you with animals, specifically dogs. Oh, they're the greatest thing in the world. Right. But I haven't ever seen anyone who has a like magic touch with dogs like dog, you do. Dogs love me, man. I know. I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why either, but, but I'm very happy that they do. <laughs> <laughs> but they like, there's like something magnetic about how, I don't know. It's like, maybe they send something that we don't or whatever, but like it's, there's something else there and you're able to connect at a different level than the average person. So what you're saying is I should become a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want it to become a furry, Ben? Because that could be a thing. <laughs> sure. Why not? Let's explore that world. 
<laughs> Sorry, I had to lighten the mood a little bit. Oh, to you, Sarah, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not my thing. <laughs> no, no. But, I mean, if we're talking about self-happiness here, that's what makes them happy. We can't knock them for it, so. <laughs> uh, you're not wrong. <laughs> Just don't furry on me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, is there any other things that you can remember, like stories that had like big impacts on you. Yes. Um, again, I won't say who, right. But a very important person in my life. It was eighth grade, it was eighth grade. And I witnessed them with a pistol in their mouth, ready to pull the trigger. Cause they wanted to take their own life as well. And so it was, it was very hard to see somebody that I love yeah. go through that. They're, they had all the tools ready and everything necessary ready to just end their life. And I am sitting there watching this happen as other people are trying to comfort them, make them feel okay, make them not pull that trigger. And... I mean, eighth grade too. I mean, it's I mean still older, but it's still pretty young. I mean, you're like twelve, so to thirteen, like it, you're not old enough to really comprehend what's going on. Yeah, and if just, you do, it's it was a it was a very hard thing to process. Yeah. So at the same time, because I was sitting there thinking, it was like they they seem to have life together, right? Like it's like it seems like they're okay, and if they're okay and they still want to do that. Well, what do I want to do? Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm not okay. I mean, later on, yes, I did find out that they obviously weren't okay either. Yeah. They were doing the exact same thing. They had their mask on yeah. and I, I only saw their mask. So, um, but it was just, it was very hard to watch someone you love go through that. Mm-hmm. I mean, even at the young age to just even, yeah. Be close enough to that even like a thing in your vicinity. Yeah. Which, I mean, is very contradictory because you, you would think, you know, if I know that pain of seeing someone you love do that. Right. Why would I go and do that to people I love? Yeah. You know, so, but at the same time, you know, so, sometimes these thoughts, they sometimes you you lose this battle. Yeah. And, and you get to a very low dark place and yes, late, lately I've learned to call a few people mm-hmm. get myself out of that that area yeah but yeah sometimes you just all your logic all your cares they just fade away yeah the only thing you're focusing on is why are you here do it do it you know it'll be easier for everyone, for you, it'll be easier just to do it. It's the only thing you're focusing on. So, it's uh, it's not a great place to be, for sure. It doesn't sound like it. Like, it really, it sounds draining, to say the least. You know, and I think, I think saying fight is a really apt term. But the... I don't even know how, because I'm trying to think of other ways that this isn't such a solitary thing. But it kind of is. Like, other people can only help so much. Yeah. You know, like, I think it's good to have people who are pillars that are going to be around you and there no matter what. But... I mean, no one can give you self-love except for yourself. Exactly. So so yeah, it's it's good to have people to rely on and lean on, but it's never going to be enough. And you can't lean on them forever because yeah. it stresses people out. Yeah, <laughs> and as so many of my relationships has proven, it pushes them away. That people can only handle so much. They want to help. They want to be there, but it's almost like you're refusing the help. And you know, you say things and you do things, and it just it pushes people away yeah, and it sucks. 
at no fault to them. Yeah. I'm, I'm never angry about it because I can't blame them for wanting to leave. Yeah. I mean, I blame them all the time for wanting to stay. Like, <laughs> like, like those are, those are my arguments. Like, cause again, like I'm not good enough. Yeah. Why are you here? Why are you with me? You're going to leave me and then it's like, until fine, eventually they're like, yeah, I am. Cause I can't take this anymore. And then it just spirals me back into that repeated process. And it's all just because to me, I'm not good enough. Like there's, I don't, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Well, hopefully depending on my job, yeah. I think I, I think I have found something that might help. Cause Missouri did just pass medical mm. marijuana. There's no health risks to that. Nope. You know, I won't overdose on that. So that's good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I want, I want to try that. I think it could be helpful to see if, you know, at least help with my anxiety. Yeah. So I could at least feel a little bit better throughout the day. Did like working out ever help? Somewhat relieve stress in any way. But then again, I, I was always just super lazy. I didn't want to do anything. Right. I know. And I mean, that's part of the manifestation of these things, but yeah. I don't, I don't know. Part of this stuff to me, it seems like too, is like, you know, they have a compounding effect where each thing taken in its own scale is small, mm-hmm. you know, like decimal point improvements. But when you start adding all of these things on top of each other, they start nudging you back, you know, into the green, so to speak. Yeah. And then, you know, once you find a routine that kind of works the best for you. and <clears throat> I mean, boxing was great. Yeah. I got to hit shit, man. I got I, to, because I mean, the, the anxiety and stress kind of sometimes turns into that anger. Right. And it was, it was a healthy outlet for that anger. I mean, you probably, I mean, you probably have a lot of deep-seated resentment. I mean, it's probably not deep-seated anymore, but, <laughs> no. but I mean there's probably more to it than just what you even remember, you know? And, and I think that's probably part of why that helps having a physical outlet. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not really an angry person by any stretch of the imagination, but sometimes it just feels great to break something or hit something. Like obviously if, (laughs) obviously if it's the only way you ever feel great, right. That's another issue. (laughs) But you know, like if, if sometimes you're just, you get so angry that the relief is just, Hey, there's this old thing that I don't use anymore. Break. Oh, yeah. I feel better. Your door has felt many of that. No, <laughs> your old door. No, <laughs> those weren't my, my fists. No, buddy. No, oh, I thought they were. No. <laughs> Fucking asshole. <laughs> oh man. I mean, it's just... No, I have put holes in, in walls, though. <laughs> but, like I said, though, that's not, it's not a healthy outlet. No. If that's your only outlet. But, you know, like I said, if, if you know, sometimes it, it feels best. You know, if you do it once or twice, not in like a week or a month or something, but... <laughs> If you're doing it that often, yeah, if you're doing it that often, you, you got some anger issues at that point <laughs> that that you need to get helped. But you something else sorted out there. But yeah, just just sometimes it it does just feel great to ah, oh, it's 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 relieving. It yeah, is. I mean, even if I like like now that I go to the gym as regular as I do, if I skip like two three days, I I for sure feel like like pent up in some ways. Like I don't feel like I'm exerting enough energy which is weird mm-hmm. and i get irritable you know where i get kind of on edge or standoffish or like i don't even know like it you know it's not even just like the blame of health effects that it, i know it does yeah like it's it's something else that like psychologically it's like a a pressure relief valve basically and it just for some reason it just kind of like just you go and you're just like all right i'm just gonna do this for you know pick up some heavy weights for a little bit or whatever and all of a sudden you leave and you're like i didn't really want to come today but i came anyways and i feel better for it Mm -hmm. something like that and i think i don't know it's i mean even the other part of it is could have been something with diet can help level out something yeah you know taking a multivitamin of some sort that's got 
you know, covering all your bases or whatever yeah. can help in the long term. Because mm-hmm. if you feel better about yourself, you know, for even a little bit, makes you more likely to do something else. Because it's like, well, I'm feeling good. I can, you know, take on more. Yeah. <laughs> and I know it sounds silly and, you know, depending on your headspace, it's like, that doesn't work. But it it, it kind of does, though. It's it's that one point you got to fight your headspace and just say, shut the fuck up. It will work. Yeah. But it's it's. It's a lot harder to say. Yeah. Or right. It's a lot harder to do than it's, it's hard. Than you it's easier to say and stand on the sideline and be like, yeah, you can do it. Yeah. I mean, like, cause most of the time I'm not motivated to do anything. Mm-hmm. Just not motivated. I don't care. I mean, you, but you do have that. I mean, you did tough mutter with us with, I mean, granted you didn't, <laughs> you felt it afterwards. Of course I felt it afterwards. <laughs> Pretty sure I went and smoked like a whole pack of cigarettes on the drive home too. Probably. By the way, everybody, you could totally do Tough Mudder and smoke and do zero training. And drink. You could before, totally and, do it. And go binge drink the night before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did do that. Oh my God. <laughs> you were drunk. You like hung over the morning of. I don't get hangovers, buddy. Well. I definitely was tired as shit, a though. Normal, a normal person would have been hung over. <laughs> <laughs> this is definitely like, why the fuck am I doing this again? <laughs> and that did, that was the worst Tough Mudder I've ever done, too. That first one. <laughs> it's the only one I did. <laughs> <laughs> but you still did it. Yep. I'm pretty sure I, I cried that night. <laughs> Laying in bed, just like, I'm never getting up. This is so bad. I still remember that wall. That, like, <laughs> diagonal wall. <laughs> yeah, I had like 40 different strangers uh, Hands on my ass, it was great <laughs> Get up! <laughs> I think you laid on the ground After that one just uh, like, yeah. you were like, oh, I'm pretty what? sure I laid on the ground After a lot of objects <laughs> That beer at the end was fantastic though Yeah, but I was mad that it was only one beer <laughs> I was like, wait a minute This this wasn't in the fine print But I only get one free beer I mean, it didn't last What the long. hell? <laughs> we, we got home and I mean that one beer got us drunk though well me <laughs> <laughs> being dehydrated <laughs> oh man memories God, still such a dumb idea <laughs> I don't know why the fuck I was like sure I'll do it with you guys huh questioning your life decisions right now always <laughs> well i mean this has already been 55 minutes shit yeah i know time flies man so if there's any other things you want to leave for anyone um music recommendations things they should listen to things that have made an impact on you so so one of my favorite bands just uh released a new album within the past year uh the story so far Mm-hmm. and the album's called Proper Dose. And this album actually really fits really well for me as well because this whole out the, the lead singer has struggled with pill addiction mm-hmm. and, you know, drinking lean and all that yeah. shit. And he's had a lot of health issues and, and anger issues because of it. Um, this latest album that they just put out, he, for like the past year or two he's been focusing on himself and to to drop his addiction and so this album is actually about his addiction and and getting better mm-hmm. uh one of my favorite songs on there is if i fall um so you know he's he's this song is basically about a promise that he's gonna better himself but if i make a mistake like will you be there for me like it's yeah. it's a journey that i'm gonna go on but I obviously can't do it alone. Like help, help me out here. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're an alternative rock band. So they're fucking awesome. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that, that album sits really well with me. Um, it's kind of weird timing for it all as well. Cause I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. I've had a few nights where I've taken whatever I can. Um, you know, luckily I've, I have a few people that I could talk to about that. Uh, my brothers being the main part of that. So they, they always help me through that. But, uh, 
And, you know, just that that album came out at a perfect time. I mean, starting to feel that way a lot because mm-hmm. I'm in a new city all alone. Yeah, right. All those the thoughts are amplified. Everything's worse. Like it's the first time you're you know not in the same house as everybody you've ever met. Like literally. yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> um, so that that album dropped, and I was just kind of like, oh wow, okay. Yeah. So I would definitely check out the story so far if you're if you're in alternative music. They're pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> <laughs> As always, I go to you for any music advice. Anyways, you always have something good yeah, up your yeah. sleeve in general. And I think in general, this conversation has a lot of value um, for anyone, you know, anyone yeah. who hasn't under, who doesn't deal with this or knows. And I'm, I mean, I guarantee you, they know someone who's dealt with something similar to this before. Yeah. And, and just, just um, kind of like me. I mean, it's, I know it's scary as shit talk about you don't know if you're going to put it in the right words and the right terms but we we all just need to start having these conversations do you feel Fun. better a little bit a little bit still anxious as hell right now because <laughs> obviously like, oh how how well is this going to go over man it's going to go over <laughs> seriously um no one's going to come back and get you <laughs> like seriously, like I, I don't, I don't see anyone not, you know, feeling something. Yeah. Because um, even if, even if it's like one percent of the feelings you felt, someone can resonate with it. I truly believe that. Yeah. You know, we've all had bad days. You know, and some people's bad days are worse than others. Hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's taken me a long time to realize it, but just talk about it. Hmm not necessarily in an open public forum if if you don't want it to be but yeah i mean it's find a close friend your parents siblings anyone that you know you're pretty comfortable with just have these conversations don't go through it alone it yeah as much as we that's that's what we know it's what we know best is alone <laughs> and it's terrifying but it's comfortable, but it's terrifying. It's shit. Just reach out if you need to. There's a lot of amazing people out there in the world that want you to reach out, want you to feel better. Everybody wants you to feel better. Yeah. Even though we don't believe it. (laughs) (laughs) But I've had a lot of people convince me in my life recently that they want us to be better, which helped make me more comfortable to talk about this. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate this, Ben. And I think I gave you a shout out when we had the other podcast, you know, an anxiety, depression, addiction, when you were first here, yeah. you were honest then. And I think even this time around, since it's not an entire room full of people, it, it really gets the message across even more so. And I, you know, I, it, this is powerful stuff, dude. Like seriously. And you know, yeah. you're obviously one of my closest friends ever. And to hear you share these, the stories and stuff like that is it's can't be easy and it's important. It really is. And, um, I feel really lucky that I get to be the one who's here sharing it. Yeah. You know, being the conduit for it. Well, yeah, I'm definitely happy it's you. <laughs> and, so. you know, and just to kind of close out is just having the ability to do this is something I never saw coming. <laughs> yeah, and, no. And it's kind of crazy. So anyone out there, as Ben said, reach out to people. I'll have links for people to reach out to places and things like that to get help in the show notes so that it makes it easy and all in one place. Yeah. So I hope you all learned something. And, um, if you know anyone who could use some help or use a look into a different way of thinking, please share this episode. Um, and I think that's it. Yeah. I want to take a quick second and talk about how you can support our show. 
I believe this is the most honest way that I can connect with you, the listener, and put it in front of everyone. You can support our show for as little as 99 cents a month. We release four podcasts a month, all at an average length of about an hour. That means you are supporting us at just 25 cents an hour. That's that's cheaper than the dollar menu. I think it's safe to say that we provide more value than that. And if you learn anything from our content, please consider becoming a supporter today with the link in the description of any episode or on the website at feedingcuriosity.net. And with that, thanks for listening and please enjoy the show. You just listened to an episode of Feeding Curiosity. Thank you all for listening and tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a like, subscribe, go check out the website over at feedingcuriosity.net and all the other things that we're doing there. And once again, thank you all for tuning in and we will see you in the next episode.